Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Take one. <laughs> We're not retaking. Hello, and welcome to episode 89 of Wiki Shuffle. I'm Jack. Here's Chris. Hello. And here's Phil. Hello. We are going to do some random Wikipedia, uh, Wiki, Wiki Wild Wild West, Wiki Shuffles for you. Phil, well, what, 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 what am I When I about? said you couldn't have another take, you can redo bits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was something there with Wiki Wild Wild West. I quite liked that. that was Did good. you? Yeah. The Wiki... Because it is the Wild West. So what is? The internet. The internet is the Wild West of... The Wiki Wild West. So there's something. So... Shall we do another take? No, is the, <laughs> is the wiki Wild Wild West of the internet not the dark web? No, the whole of the internet is the Wild West. It's no, just, it isn't. It's just a lawless monstrosity full of debauchery. Maybe the sites that you frequent. Yeah. But I use like bbc.co.uk and stuff and it seems fine. Right, what is this? Tell, tell the listeners what it is. Do another little intro because that was such a mess. I might be able to sell me something. That was but good. It was generally, it wasn't. It was a mess. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I like it when it's a bit Wiki Wild Wild West. Now, let's continue. I'm keep, we're keeping yeah. it. Two against one. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. What's a wiki shuffle? A wiki shuffle is where we press the random article button on Wikipedia and then we see whatever it throws in our faces. And then we talk about it. And then we have a little chat and then we talk about how Phil remembers it. Okay. <laughs> Great. Off we go. <laughs> Before we begin, just a quick reminder that this is the last episode of Wiki Shuffle to come out before the introduction of Goodnight Sweetcast. Goodnight Sweetcast, the Goodnight Sweetheart mm. podcast, brought to you by the team behind Wiki Shuffle. Two thirds of. We'll be producing a new podcast about the trials and tribulations of intrepid time traveller Gary Sparrow. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I love Gary. I like, I like all of them. We just had a little chat off air, and Chris, you said that you, you care about what's happening in Goodnight Sweetheart. It's yeah. taken you by surprise, and you care I'm, about I'm it. really surprised by it. When it was mentioned originally as an idea, because we came up with it on Wiki Shuffle, I thought, this is, we came this up is, a, with it. This is a good idea. I prob- it's probably best we don't follow it through. <laughs> <laughs> but with this, I've started watching it, and it's, it's really good. It's, it's good. Do you agree, Phil? I do actually really agree. My biggest fear about doing it was I didn't want to do a podcast where we just scoffed at something and we're all smug and yeah. oh look, heaven forbid, uh, yeah, look how shit this is. We're going to giggle at it and demean all the work that somebody put into this. But in actual fact, it's way better than I remember. It has its moments of terribleness, but at the same time, the overarching thing, it's much more self-aware than I remember. It's genuinely funny and moving in places, much better written than I remember, and it's going to be an interesting journey. I've definitely been moved a few times at what's happened to Gary and been genuinely concerned about the relationship with these women. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you'd like to watch along with us while we journey through the 58 episodes that exist of Goodnight Sweetheart, I've now watched all 58. Chris, you're about halfway there. Mm-hmm. We will be selling copies of the full box set through our website. So if you want to support Wiggy Shuffle, you can go there and buy a copy and watch along with us. That would be a fun thing to do. 58 weeks of your life. I'm going to I'm gonna watch along. I'm not going to watch all 58 in one clump because that's insanity. The only thing that does concern me so far with watching all of these, the DVD menu for Goodnight Sweetheart plays the theme song all the time. <laughs> so it plays the theme song when you go to the menu. It plays the theme song when you get to the episode selection. And then when you watch the episode, it plays the theme tune. So Goodnight Sweetheart is permanently here now in my brain. That song. But if it had to be to any end. song... At first, after the 10,000th time, not so much. The Dancing Plague of 1518. Sounds fun. I'm not sure that plagues... I only pick the words that I like. <laughs> you love a dance. I do love a dance. Every time there's a wedding, there's a dancing plague on that dance floor. Get my hips a, out. A dancing pestilence. <laughs> pestilence upon all the land. Get everyone's gran up. Get up everyone's gran. Oh, I didn't say no. that. We Get know. them onto the dance floor first. And uh-huh. then into bed. <laughs> Depends on the type of evening. What's the oldest woman that oh, you've snogged? Jesus. I'm just saying snogged, because this is a family-friendly show. No, it isn't. But carry on. I would still rather snog than imagine anything other. Um, in all honesty, mm-hmm. probably about Phil's age. <laughs> no, surely older. No. Unless I, I thought known. I thought you'd go for a woman in a 40s Not gone off, No, I don't think I ever hit the 40. Maybe late 30s. Okay. You know, Kirsty Young's yet. Let's not dwell. <laughs> Let, let's not dwell on, on Chris's aspirations of granny fiddling. Oh, don't say it like that. But it did sound quite aspirational. You did say, did no, say no one in their 40s yet. I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm devising a plan. Oh, have you got a plan? I haven't got a plan. You know I haven't got a plan. <laughs> oh, some sort of honey trap. Nursing home tour <laughs> of the UK. Don't. Let's not go down this road. Let's not. The Dancing Plague, or Dance Epidemic of 1518, was a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, then part of the Holy Roman Empire, in July 1518. Around 400 people took to dancing for days without rest, and over the period of about one month, some of those affected died of heart attack, stroke, or exhaustion. This sounds like some kind of disco inferno. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. Was it? Yeah. Was that good? In my head it was. <laughs> <laughs> a month-long dance-off. Let's, um, Is this a religious thing? Well, I was just going to say, let's, let's all predict what happened before think, we read the article. I think a man maybe claimed to be like Jesus. Faith healers in America, and they put their hand on people, and then mm. they go mental. Yeah. It doesn't really make much sense. I think this might be a similar thing. It, okay. It's cool. that kind of euphoric enthusiasm, yeah. mass hysteria thing that, yeah, I think it would have been something like that, that self-perpetuates because people want to be involved and want to believe that they're being motivated to do this when actual fact they're just doing it out of choice, as all hypnotism is. I think someone just stuck an Ed Sheeran album on repeat, <laughs> and people just couldn't help themselves, because how could you? They just couldn't turn off. It was 15. 18. Yes, the downside to that theory. All right, and a record player. The outbreak began in July 1518 when a woman, Mrs. Trophia, began to dance fervently in a street in Strasbourg. (laughs) So there's a chance that this started because someone like had a fit 
And then they just went, oh, well, okay. So maybe she was like a high up in the, the church and she was setting an example. But actually, she was very ill. Mrs. Trophia, her dance lasted somewhere between four and six days, which is quite a feat. Quite a seizure is what that is. <laughs> that is quite a seizure. Within a week, 34 others had joined and within a month, there were around 400 dancers, predominantly female. Some of these people eventually died from heart attack, strokes or exhaustion. One report indicates that for a period, the plague killed around 15 people per day. Historical documents, including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council are clear that that the victims danced. It is not known why these people danced, some even to their deaths. So one person's dancing, in their mind, might be not what I consider dancing. I've seen some people dancing, and they're not all what I would class dancers. Like Anne Widdicombe. She did some dancing. Did she? Exactly. Oh, was she on Strictly? She was. Oh, dear. Exactly. So that's what this is. Didn't Anne Widdicombe on Strictly just sort of stand there and the other guy danced around her? Pretty much, and then dragged her along the floor. <laughs> dragged her along the floor, maybe that's what was happening. Imagine yeah. that being your job, dancing around Dan Widdicombe. <laughs> oh, he actually did literally get paid to do that. His job description for a season was yeah. dancing on Dan Widdicombe. As the dancing plague worsens, concerned nobles sought the advice of local physicians who ruled out astrological and supernatural causes. It's the first thing you need to rule out. In any triage process. <laughs> Instead announcing that the plague was a natural disease caused by hot blood. Oh, there we go. They got to the bottom of it straight away then. That's some good diagnostics. Hot blood would be a great name for an album. Hot blood by the dancing plague. However, instead of prescribing bleeding, authorities encouraged more dancing, in part by opening two guild halls and a grain market and even constructing a wooden stage. What? Just get it out. Just cool that blood down through the medium of dance. The authorities did this because they believed that the dancers would recover only if they danced continuously night and day. To increase the effectiveness of the cure, authorities even paid for musicians to keep the afflicted moving. Modern theories include food poisoning caused by the toxic and psychoactive chemical products of ergo fungi, which grows commonly on grains in the wheat family, such as rye. It is structurally related to the recreational drug LSD and is the substance from which LSD was originally synthesised. The same fungus has also been implicated in other major historical anomalies, including the Salem witch trials. So they might have been off their tits. That's exactly what I was Sounds thinking. Sounds pretty cut and dry. Well... No, because even if you've got a particularly drastic trip, that's going to last 12 hours. Because presumably they're not going to carry on eating rye while they're doing their dancing. Chris, what's the longest you've ever danced for? Five hours. Five hours? Straight. <laughs> probably. God. Not even a sit down. Well, it's probably a sit down. I'd have to go to a bar and yeah. I'd probably go for a cigarette. Yeah, uh, a piss and, and I'll lie down. But I still, <laughs> yeah. I still remember smoking and dancing at the same time, which now seems Whoa. like the most mm. preposterous thing you could possibly do. But I would definitely, mm-hmm. because I would, you'd smoke in the nightclub and then your jam would come on. That's what the kids say these mm-hmm. days, isn't it? This is my jam. Oh, you, you, I thought you meant you just got your period. <laughs> And then, so you just go to that floor, and your cigarette would be in your hand. Mm. And so you would be dancing and smoking at the See, same time. That's that's that, not right. That, for me... It's a fire hazard. Is this, when that stopped was just as I started going out. Because I remember the first sort of time I would be out on a night out, I was still allowed to smoke inside places. And then within 
less than a year, that stopped. So I sort of caught the tail end of this weird time when everybody stank of fags. <laughs> yeah, and moment, and now nightclubs just stink of stink. sick and piss. Yeah. Great. Hi. Well, I'm glad the band came in because I've mostly spent all my time standing outside with the smokers, avoiding the, the terrifying indoors with the dancing and the fun and the ugh. thank goodness you weren't around in 1518 to get caught up in the i wouldn't have done euphoria of it i'd have sat arms folded shaking my head in disgust letters of last resort oh like papa roach and their last resort go on come on everybody knows that song cut chris's life into pieces this is his last resort you can oh, have i think the... i think we found um a reference that phil doesn't get He's too old. Yeah, he's too old for Papa Roach. Uh, oh, yeah. This is my last resort. Yeah, I remember it. Oh, new metal. Mm-hmm. Oh. When we were teenagers, we were so angry about something, and that song was our anthem for being angry. That, is that what this, this article is about? No, no, it isn't. How long do you think it has been since I was last jumping around shouting the lyrics to Last Resort by Papa Roach with an angry grimace on my face, really getting into it and getting into the my life shit experience? Last Wednesday. No. Phil, your guess? Yesterday. No. It was three months ago. <laughs> okay, well, what was the context? <laughs> I was in, on the, the Reaper Barn in Hamburg. It came on and I was very drunk and me and my friend did that. Because Not a great a, anecdote, I admit. I don't know how we've ended up talking about new metal. Uh, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't part of our remit. Because that came along and that was something definitive and generation defining, albeit shit. Yeah, I, it was. But I feel as though there hasn't been anything subsequent that's done the same thing. Yeah, you had the whole indie explosion of 2002 to 2005. No, that, that crosses over too much for me. That was the same thing. I'm, mm. I'm talking about in the last in 10 the years. Jackets. I'm talking about in the last 10 years. Oh, well, you can't just pick and choose. When well, you yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. That's you what said I'm since. About. The subsequent, said the since, subsequent generation. I'm talking about from 2005 to today. What's the other one with, um, what's his face, Skrillex? Yeah, it? like, the, yeah, actually, yeah, the whole drum and bass kind it's of. not a drum and bass. Dubstep, dubstep bullshit. Yeah. That was um, that was a big thing. thing. When I was at uni, everyone was fucking mad on fucking dubstep. But what's right now? Like right now, they don't seem Nothing. to go out anywhere. The kids of today, oh, they just do like, knitting and Pinteresting and, and look after <laughs> the, and looking after their health. Oh yeah. Gross. Listen to yourselves. I'm supposed to complain in the opposite direction about how rude and unruly all the youth are, but they just seem boring. Mm. What are they doing? Um, Where are they going? Pokemon team. hunting. Pokemon hunting. Snapchatting. <laughs> Going they're, to even the snap- festival. they're not even Snapchatting their penises anymore. Are they not? They're Snapchatting like oldy wallpapers and rugs. Are they? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, you want them to be Snapchatting their penises? Not to me. Okay. It's just nice to know if they were doing that. That they were at least getting time. You think there aren't enough unsolicited dick pics in the world? <laughs> <laughs> That's your main bugbear with this current crop of children. Good point, yeah. It's probably for the best. Well, I know I only know one person under eighteen, like, unless we're talking about babies. No. I only know one person <laughs> under eighteen. Yeah. Why aren't babies rebelling more? <laughs> well, no, but the one person I know under eighteen is four, and she's into really like she's like into Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol's big. Paw Patrol um, is big. So I don't I know if like I don't know. I can't. I'm not sure, but I'm I'm guessing that maybe eighteen year olds are into that as well. Probably. Probably. I mean, it does seem to have quite a broad appeal because my yeah my niece is into Paw Patrol in a big way. Yeah, it's who, Paw Patrol. Who's your favourite member of the Paw Patrol team? Uh, Simon. There's not a Simon. 
Rob Ball, the correct answer is Rob Ball. Um, right, I've loved talking about Skrillex <laughs> and <Paw> Patrol, <laughs> but maybe we should talk about this article that we've got, which is Letters of Last Resort. <laughs> is that what we do? That's apparently what we do. Okay, so Letters of Last Resort has got nothing to do with Skrillex. I don't, it might. <laughs> um, from the photograph of a submarine that I can see on the article, I don't think it is. The Letters of Last Resort are four identically worded, handwritten letters from the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom to the commanding officers of the four British ballistic missile submarines. They contain orders on what action to take in the event that an enemy nuclear strike has destroyed the British government and has killed or otherwise incapacitated both the Prime Minister Hooray! and the second person, who is normally a high-ranking member of the Cabinet, Hooray! whom the Prime Minister has designated to to make a decision on how to act in the event of the Prime Minister's death. In the event that the orders were to be carried out, the action taken could be the last official act of Her Majesty's Government. Yeah, I feel... This has nothing to do with the article, so sorry. But... What? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we have a strict set of rules on this podcast. I, f- I felt a bit guilty then, shouting worry, when they said, kill the Prime Minister, because she's a woman now. I didn't think twice about saying that I want David Cameron dead three months ago, or even now. But now there's a woman, that feels wrong. But also, she's a prick, so I'm probably fine with it, actually, thinking about it. Mm. I like I like how your morals sort of dip in and out, <laughs> just all over the place. Mm. Yeah, I'm having a problem with this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have a problem with wishing anybody dead. Really? Because I'm a better person than you. No, mm. come on, Michael Gove, are you trying to tell me you wouldn't want to see Michael Gove die? Aaron, of course I wouldn't want to see him I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't. family. He's I'd got, like to yeah, see but him... They're, they're probably thinking, for fuck's sake, my dad's Michael Gove, still. I, I wouldn't like to see him dead. I would like to see him, like, something funny. Like, accidentally shipwrecked. <laughs> <laughs> and living, you know, the, the castaway film with Tom Hanks? That entire plot with Michael Gove. And they'll get away at the end, and they'll think, well, okay. And, uh, well, he wouldn't have a football, would he? Or a volleyball, he'd have, like, a rugger ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or one of the things that you hit in croquet. Just imagine his little face when he stamps on that spiky rock. That, that sort of thing. That's the level I'd like for it to happen to him. Okay, but you'd like to see him get rescued, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, so, like, that's your, you know, you, you were a dick. Look what happened. Stop okay. it. Mm. I wouldn't like to see him, like, just dead. I don't think Tom Hanks was shipwrecked for being a dick, was he? It wasn't punitive. Oh, why did he end up on there? His plane crashed. His plane crashed. Mm-hmm. It was as simple as that. Yeah, but exactly it sounded the same. But wasn't there just 20 minutes of pure product placement for the whole first half of the film? Oh, about it? FedEx. Just, just a FedEx promotional yeah. film. Yeah. I'm going to watch that later. <laughs> yeah, because he, yeah, he was on a FedEx plane, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, yeah. That's what Michael It's a good film, though. It is a good film. I'm going to watch it. Anyway, back to the article. No, I want to go back to the fact that you're happy to wish people dead. No, so there's two no, reasons. One, no. I don't individually want to wish anybody dead, even the Prime Minister. And the other is, the scenario we're talking about here, the missile that's killed her hasn't just killed her. It's yeah. taken out the whole of London with it at the same time, and well, that's definitely not worth cheering for. I don't know, they're a bunch of stuck-up twats, aren't they? So, <laughs> see you later, London. See, the morals just mm-hmm. all over the shop. <laughs> Could this not be just that someone has broken into, you know, the House of Parliament and killed Theresa May and a few of the high rankings and then have threatened nuclear destruction of the rest of the country? Whatever. Either way, I'm happy that she's dead. Well, that's interesting, because if it was just a sniper that had taken out Theresa May and whoever the second designated person is, would that put these letters of last resort into effect? And so would our response default be to 
launch nuclear missiles. I'd hope not. I'd hope not too. I, it's very vague about what the content of this might be. Perhaps we'll find out more. Let, let's let's read on. The letters are stored inside two safes in the control room of each submarine. The letters are destroyed, unopened after a prime minister leaves office, so their content remains known only to them. Ooh, it's like deal or no deal. Christ, so this is what it's not like deal or no deal. It's like comparing everything to deal or no deal. It's pretty much the same. At the end, you get a box and you have to choose one. <laughs> Noel Edmonds there. I always knew he had to have something to he's, do with a nuclear He's apocalypse. ultimately in charge of the boxes. It's been cancelled now. We're diverging <laughs> again. <laughs> So what will we do in the event of a nuclear war now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think oh. they're bringing it back. So I just knew it. I knew as soon as you mentioned it, we were going to get talking about it. <laughs> we're shit at this. We gave ourselves a very, very simple idea of what this podcast should be. A very clear instruction. Because we knew we wouldn't be able to keep on topic if it was something very specific. We, we knew it wouldn't, we wanted it to be quite a general chat. But still, we can't do it. Well, you asked me to do this. <laughs> to be fair, he was invited. I but I realised what I did. Just yeah. get it back on. It's not about boxing anymore. Well, it is. <laughs> it's not about Noel Edmonds. So, the letters are written as soon as a new Prime Minister takes office after being told by the Chief of the Defence Staff precisely what damage a Trident missile could cause. These are then delivered to the submarines with the previous Prime Minister's letters being destroyed without being opened. In the event of the death of both the Prime Minister and the designated alternative decision maker as a result of a nuclear strike, the commanders of the nuclear submarine will use a series of checks to ascertain whether the letters of last resort will have to be opened. I don't like that we never get to find out what's in them. It could just be like, just don't worry about it. Big sadness. <laughs> yeah, I'm off. Shit. Be, being, a <laughs> You're t- being a Tory, I'm only really about self-interest, so I don't really care. Bye. You know, they could do that. You know, if well, they could. Where's the so. Where's the transparency for this? I can see why we might not want to publish it the day that it's written, but subsequently, we should be aware of what was happening in history. I'm not okay with it just being tossed aside. I want to know what. Yeah, was different between the one that Thatcher wrote and the one that John Major wrote. Yeah, like at the end, after you leave office, they. I don't see why that wouldn't like golden balls. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean. I'm not going to go down that road. But it's at the end when you open your thing after you've done it, and you find out, oh, you were a dickhead. Margaret Thatcher was a dickhead the whole time. <laughs> this is a shocking twist. What's worrying me about this, and even even though we are without a doubt one of the bad guys in the world, are we? Um, yeah, without a doubt we are. We were. Oh, no, so, no, we are. Only we so are. much as everybody's bad guys. That's the problem with international politics, is that everybody is bad guys. No, I disagree. Who are the good guys, then? Um, Vanuatu. Vanuatu are fine, haven't really done anything wrong. Any of those, any of those New Asian Zealand. Pacific, <laughs> down there, yeah. No, I don't think that's true. New Zealand have done horrible things to their indigenous population. Oh, and sure, I think... but who cares about indigenous populations? <laughs> Come on. Well, if we take indigenous populations out of the equation, then Britain starts to look a lot shinier. Obviously, I was joking. All right, like Switzerland tend to keep out of it. They're all right. Canada, they're all right. So the Swiss aren't okay. They the the Nazi gold blind oh, eye turners. Come on, like you wouldn't do that. San Marino. No, oh, it's not a tax haven. These yeah. are all places oh, that are just shit. built on not proper. I'm just thinking little. There's not enough people in it for them. Yeah, this is the thing. There are no good guys in I can't international even say politics. Like Iceland, 
No. There are just degrees of horrible travesty. Okay, but in terms of horrible travesty, we're pretty near the top. Oh, yeah, I'm not disputing that. I did not dispute that at any point. Uh, Certainly historically, but I would like to think that in modern times we are generally a force for good. It's not like comparing, I don't know, like 2001 A Space Odyssey to... What's a shit film? Chris, quick, name a shit film. Um, Tremors 3. Yep, Tremors 3. <laughs> you can compare 2001 to Tremors 3, and you'll you'll have a very clear indication, but world politics is more like rank, ranking the Adam Sandler films. So we're like... Um, what's that new one? Like Jack, We're Jack and Jill, basically. Oh! Whereas someone like, I don't know, Sweden would probably be... 51st Dates. Yeah, or um, the one he did with um, Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, no, that's a, that's a, a very high compliment. Yeah, so Sweden are fine, but it's still an Adam Sandler film, so you I still have know, to tread I, carefully. See, All right, it's a bad example because that isn't actually good. That's a good film. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're Jack and Jill, and that's bad. But you have to remember that Russia, the US, and all those bastards are also Jack and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> And they probably have similar things to our letters of last resort. And they're perhaps more volatile than we are. And they might just kick off one day and think, "Eh, fuck it, let's destroy everyone because Putin's died. I don't know. What am I talking about? I don't know. Jack and Jill, (laughs) mainly. (laughs) And Tremors 3 was in the mix. We're trying to rank the countries in order of evil. Through the medium on the Adam Sandler scale, of it's evil. not it's not an accepted scale. Mm-hmm. So no, but like, what about Click? <laughs> Where do you stand thinking, on Click? Uh, I've not seen it. I was thinking Mr. Deeds. It's mostly harmless. You know, there was that period in the late nineties where he was churning them out, and they weren't hurting Big anybody. Daddy, fine. And yet the ones he does now make you want to scorch the earth. The Ridiculous Six is like you know, Assad. Or ISIS. <laughs> Let's go with ISIS. The ridiculous six is ISIS. Big Daddy is like, I don't know, hungry. And I suppose if you compare like Jack and Jill to a ridiculous six. You were going to say Jack and Vera, weren't you? No. I was yeah, saying, you were. You no, nearly said Jack and Vera. I said Jack, whatever it was. I don't. I have genuinely no idea what we're talking about now. I don't know. I felt like we were talking. We started off maybe trying to make an important geopolitical point, and we've descended (laughs) into some kind of literal nonsense. I was actually going to say something about ISIS and sovereignty, but you know what? I don't even know what my point is. We just talk about Tremors Free. Who's Have your you favorite? watched Tremors 3 recently? Is uh, that why it's No, so... it's just I remember it being on and it was bad. But not bad like the UK, bad like North Korea. <sighs> so in the event of the death of both the Prime Minister and the designated alternative decision maker as a result of a nuclear strike, the commanders of the nuclear submarines will use a series of checks to ascertain whether the letters of last resort will have to be opened. According to Peter Hennessy's book, The Secret State, Whitehall and the Cold War, the process by which a Vanguard-class submarine commander would determine if the British government continues to function includes, amongst other checks, establishing whether BBC Radio 4 continues broadcasting. <laughs> I have heard that before. That's yeah, a big one. Yeah. Well, personally, I wouldn't want to go on living in a world that doesn't have Radio 4 in it, so I'm, Agreed. I, I need that. You'd freak out, wouldn't you? Oh, God, yeah. There was a thing on Radio 4 this week about the dissolution of the USSR uh, in, in 1990. And 
what they did was they stopped broadcasting all of the state media outlets. Uh, except they didn't quite stop. They just put Swan Lake on a loop. Holy shit. How creepy is that? So every TV channel had just got a performance of Swan Lake on a loop and every radio channel was just playing Swan Lake on a loop. And that's all they had. How terrifying would that be? In 1983, the procedure for Polaris submarines was to open the envelopes if there was an evident nuclear attack or that all UK naval broadcasts had ceased for four hours. Is that long enough? Well, how long would you make it? I don't know. These are questions that are too big and that I am in no way qualified to answer. And that's the thing that I think I find the scariest is because what makes David Cameron or Theresa May qualified to make those decisions either on their own and scribble them on a piece of paper? These aren't decisions that should be taken by one person. These should be collectively decided from pooling lots of learned people's opinions, not... When have, we ever based on, when have we ever based politics on collecting opinions of learned people? Yeah, but this seems more important. Oh. Well, the fact that we have nuclear weapons is... I don't like thinking about it. It's... But it's nice that we don't live with this hanging over us all the time like they did in the 80s. While the contents of these letters are secretive and not many people know what's in them, vague, according to the December 2008 BBC Radio 4 documentary, do you see how important Radio 4 is? It's very important. The human button... There were four known options given to the Prime Minister to include in the letters. The Prime Minister instructs the submarine commander to A. Retaliate with nuclear weapons B. Not retaliate C. Use his own judgement or D. Place the submarine under an allied country's command if possible. The documentary mentions Australia and the United States. B or D, please. I think it's got to be C, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Yeah, I would say It's got... C was use your own judgment. No, because it's the judgment of just some guy, isn't it? But somebody who's going to be eminently more qualified and have thought this through a little bit more than Theresa May, who only knew that she was going (laughs) to be Prime Minister sort of a week before it happened. What's the point in retaliating with nuclear weapons? You might as well just think, well, we're all... Most most of everyone's dead. Just leave it now. You can't win. You've lost. You can make other people lose, but two wrongs don't make it right. But if it is a wrong-minded ideology that's doing the winning, then perhaps you do want to make it more difficult for them to win, absolutely. Okay, so let's say that ISIS get their hands on a nuclear warhead and they blow up London. And everywhere within a 60-mile radius of London is obliterated. The rest of the country is severely ill through um, radioactive fallout. Let's say that, because we're a comedy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all a bit threads, and everyone's like eating sheep and dying. What is the point in then using a nuclear weapon against, say, Syria or Iraq, when the majority of people that are going to die are going to be innocent? Sure, you're going to wipe ISIS out, but you're also going to wipe out how many millions of people that haven't done anything wrong? It's a very difficult question. I I just don't think that's the answer. It's never the answer, because it doesn't solve anything. Apart from getting rid of ISIS. But then, alternatively, leave the message that you can do whatever you want and there will be no sort of retaliation. It Just, just because they've, they've done something on the nuclear scale doesn't mean we have to retaliate on the nuclear scale. True. We can retaliate with ground troops or, you know, actual war against ISIS without, you know, bombing schools and hospitals. I think ISIS is probably a pretty bad example because they're not very likely to have nuclear capability. Sure, but it, the point remains the same. If it's a, an evil regime who's done it, 
still only a handful of shits that have, have done the atrocity, the vast majority of the people in that country are still going to be innocent. That's true. I just think, doesn't matter. If someone wants to do that and kill everyone, so be it. The whole point of nuclear weapons, supposedly, and this is why we have Trident, is as a deterrent. It's not actually as a means of winning war. And if your country's already been destroyed, then you can't win the war anyway. You're fucked either way. So, you know, try and save innocent people. And the £60 billion, pounds, or however much it costs to build them in the first place, maybe spend that on something better too. Yeah, like sweets. The other option is that you just say that you've done it and then spend the money on something else. But then that got me thinking, what if they've done that already? And that's yeah. why nobody can say we're not doing it again, because that's what we did originally. And actually, the Trident submarines are just made out of paper mache. I can't prove that they're not. Well, yeah, because then at yeah. least the money can go to things like, you know, lining the pockets of the wealthy. Mm. This is good. They deserve it. They're better than us. Yeah. Trickle down economics. There you go. Episode 89 of Wiki Shuffle. Next week... Nothing new, just the same old, same old, yeah? Same old, same old, yeah, we'll maybe try and be a little bit more focused. <sighs> I can't promise anything, we're about to call it ne- uh, record it now, so... It could just be worse. It may well be worse. We've had two very unfocused episodes. Maybe What we'll do is we won't talk at all in the next episode, we will just read the articles out. Oh, okay. that'd be fun. Mm. Mm, who wouldn't want that? And then every now and again you'll say a sentence and I'll go, ooh. <laughs> that does happen quite a lot anyway. It's a lot of boring stuff. <laughs> Alright, so... Um, the only other business today, I think, is fantasy football. I managed to persuade Chris and Phil to join my fantasy football league. So this is the official Premier League fantasy football, which is fantasy.premierleague.com. You can join in with me and Chris and Phil um, in our league, which is called the Emmy, Emil Heskey Memorial League. Emil Heskey's not dead, is he? No. Why are we memorialising Emil Heskey? I just want to get the, the name of the league in case he does die this season. Because otherwise we'll miss out on it. So if you want to join our league, you can find the code to join on Wikishuffle's Twitter. Or you can write this down. No one's going to do this, but I'm going to say it anyway. 20467-7934. Top quality content right there. What's the point in this? Because I've done it and I don't care. I literally don't care about this. Do I do a win? Or do I do a win? What do I win? Pride. I don't care about that. <laughs> that much <laughs> is obvious. I'm in a mood with the whole process as well because I spent ages on my team tweaking and fiddling and making it right and I don't really know much about football. You're doing worse than me. I'm doing terribly because I then forgot to save all of the tweaks and twiddles I made so now I've got just a piece of crap team and I don't want to play anymore and I'm, I'm in a mood with the whole process. Well, I'm fine with it because I'm in the top 60,000 out of 3 million. I'm coasting our league. So it would be good if other people could join and give me a bit of competition because currently I'm on 147 points. Chris, your team, Shakira Shakira, is on 88. Phil, you're on 71. So I'm 100 points ahead of you after two weeks. Yeah, I know, but it's a stupid system that didn't save all the work I did, so I'm not playing anymore. Well, there's loads of people in there. There's 21 people in our league, including us three and also people from other podcasts, such as Steve from um, Fell Critics, Matt Lamborn from the Retro Game Podcast, all of these dicks, um, and I'm beating them all. So if you want to join in and get humiliated by me, you're more than welcome. Chris, are you going to look at your team again this season? No. No? We're just going to leave it? Just leaving it. Okay. So keep a lookout for Goodnight Sweetcast. It's coming soon. Go to the websites and buy a copy of your own box set of Goodnight Sweetcast, Sweetheart. Go and buy a cop- your own box set copy of Goodnight Sweetheart. 
There's a little part of me there that thought you just called all the listeners sweetheart and you made me feel a bit weird. <laughs> uh, that'll be up imminently. And other than that, you can follow us on Twitter at WikiShufflePods. You can find all of our back episodes at wikishuffle.co.uk. You can follow us on Facebook. And you can write to us at wikishufflehq one b headlands Kettering NN157ER. It's been a while since we've had a postcard, so... You know. We haven't really asked for any, have we? I mean, it's been... I'm more disappointed by people's failure to message uh, Papa John's using the hashtag dust pizza. There's still time. I think it'd be nicer, and maybe we would stay more focused if more people listened. What do yeah. you reckon? Yeah, so if you could encourage people you know to listen to us. Yeah. How do we do this without sounding desperate? It's never really bothered us before. Nice. Let's stop faffing. Let's end Definitely this faffing. shit. Next week. More, more. of the same. More of this. <laughs> mm. hey. Tune in. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. In every family, there's one person who drives you a little crazy. I gotta pick Jill up at four in the morning. She comes once a year and she's leaving on Sunday. But during the holidays... Jack, no fighting this year. There's no escaping it when it's your sister. How we doing? Your twin sister. Are you going bald? Huh? No, 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 you're getting fatter, and your hair doesn't realize it needs to cover more face. Okay. From the producers of Just Go With It and Grown Ups. You and Jill are so alike. We are nothing alike, I promise you. <laughs> she isn't subtle. Jill, this is Otto. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you! Right? Are you whispering with a bullhorn or something? Everybody hears you. She isn't shy. I put a list together of things I want to do before I leave. Studio tour, beach, horseback riding. Let's go! Oh, oh my God! Maybe I should stay out through Hanukkah. And she isn't leaving. She's forwarding her mail to us now. What's this about a twin? Oh, Jackie has a twin sister. Identical or fraternal? Uh, nocturnal, like a bat. <laughs> this fall. Seriously, honey, can't you try a little harder? She's your sister. Guess who is taking you to the Lakers game? Finally, some twin time! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.